Where to, Where to Hunt Podcast. podcast. Yes, it's, yes, it's, yes. It's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Nah, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt Podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, Greg, what's up? You know, just another week of people letting us come on Facebook and all the rest of the social media platforms that we're not on. Just ruining their their air, their, ruining their, their airways. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody! Well, welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. Uh, my name's Eric. That's Greg. And uh, today is June sixteenth, twenty twenty. This is episode one thirty six, I think. And uh, this is the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, aka the OKS podcast, in the Midwest. Cool. That was cute. Got that out of the way. Slate it. <laughs> Freaking a! How you been, man? What's going on in your world? Uh, not a whole lot. Family in town from out of state, so you know that going for us, which is nice. That is nice. What about you? Uh, sadly, my my wife's grandmother had passed away this week, uh, so I spent some time over the weekend up north, where she's from in the UP, and uh, we'll be going back up at the end of this week uh, for the service. So. You know, not to bring the mood down, but no, that's 87 full life, thing, nine man. kids, lots of grandchildren, lots of um, great grandbabies. So, I mean, it, it's more of a celebration um, of her life. So it's good. Other than that, though, I feel like I've just been busy. I'm on pretty tight right now. This scotch is good. I think you need another glass. And I haven't eaten much. Uh, it's going to get weird. So let's get into our sponsor's <laughs> call house real quick <laughs> before it gets too weird. Um you know, we'll play the Backwoods Grind commercial. Hopefully, I want some feedback on it. Like, hey, everybody, let me know what you guys think of that. Uh, we think it's pretty cool. Wake up and smell the coffee. Backwoods Grind coffee, that is. Now, this ain't your fancy schmancy city boy coffee. This is what your grandpappy used to drink. And lucky enough for you loaf around slack asses, they got a subscription service. Deliver any other six blends right to your door, even a sampler. I like the fireside blend, nice and dark, but they got something to suit every one of your tastes, light to dark and everything in between. Backwoods Grind Coffee, for those who work hard and play harder. Look, and if you want to save 10% on Backwoods Grind Coffee, look, it's worth it. If you're going to buy it anyways, which you should, might as well enter the code W2HPODCAST and save yourself some money. Uh, GumleafUSA.com, please go to their website and you will be smitten by their awesome rotating video. I won't spend an hour talking about it, but look, these are handmade from scratch over in England. And uh, look, they're 85% natural rubber. That's very different than what you see in the big box stores. They have a Vibram sole. Look, a lot of guys in the deer hunting uh, crowd are wearing these things for a reason. And uh, we're happy to rock them at least for most of the year, except for when it gets really cold out. And then we kind of put them away and bust something else out. So, you know, if you want to save some money on their boots, use code W2H2020 for 10% off. 
and uh, I don't know. Let me know. Let me know. If you have any questions, we'd be happy to put you in touch with their, their customer service. And, uh, you know, they're really, um, they like to talk to their clients a lot or their customers. So, and then also the okayest hunter. This is the okayest hunting podcast studio. I forgot to call it out early on. I can't believe you didn't pick that <laughs> Coming up. Coming right at you away. from the okayest hunter podcast studio. Boy, if you want to save. We got to build that canned into this somehow. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, I got to <laughs> do something weird there. Uh, but look, hey, uh, go to okshunter.com. These guys give back to conservation through 2% for conservation. It's a group that you might have heard of. Uh, they validate and verify that the, the revenue is indeed going back to conservation. Um, and then 1% of their time is part of that. So the other, what was I going to say there? Oh, yeah. If you want a discount on their stuff, W2H podcast for 10% off. 10%. Hey, I haven't heard anybody that uh, no code redemptions yet. Like I get feedback from our sponsors. That one hasn't kicked yet. So if you want some okayest gear, I'm wearing a shirt right now. It's pretty great. It's okay. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Vectorcustomshop.com. Greg, yeah. you're my you're my guy for this one. Vectorcustomshop.com. Well, what can I say about them? If you're looking for a custom-built arrow to your specs, go check out VectorCustomShop.com. Um, heavy Do you want duty. The code? No, I got the oh, code. Okay, I'll, okay. I'll get the code. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Man, you just jacked me up. That's what I do. You're good at derailing the train. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back like I was saying, put this train back on the track here. You pour yourself another uh, thing of scotch there, okay? So, if you're looking for an arrow, custom built to your specs, heavy carbon, extremely well built, they're rocking the ethics insert outsert system up front. Uh, they'll weight it pretty much to your specifications, anywhere from 45 to 175 grains up front. Um, multitude of different spines. Uh, I'm shooting a 300 spine right now. I might try out a 250, but. Quality built. Smaller and diameter, thicker micro, walls. Yeah, micro diameter. You're just... Sorry. Do you want to do it? I told you, I'm just I, having a problem I, today. I would say. Constantly interrupting. So, if you're interested in all that, we quit tripping on ourselves here. <laughs> Go check out VectorCustomShop.com. And if you want to order, they have been uh, experiencing... Supply chain, supply chain issues, issues with COVID. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, we just got an email today about them. Uh, next round opens June 27th um, because they're selling in rounds with the COVID thing. If you want to get your order in, I would say June 27th, hop on to vectorcustomshop.com. Go put your the order shit's in. flying off the shelves. Yeah, it's, it's moving quick. Just simmer. I got this. <laughs> If you decide to order a set, you can choose from a, a, a sample, like a, a test pack of two. You can go with a half dozen or a dozen. And whatever you decide to order, when, you're, when you click through to order all this stuff, you can enter code WHERE, the word WHERE, to hunt, and that'll give you 10% off. All right, now I'm done. I'm sorry. No, he's got a fucking pistol with me. Hey, what's up? Hey, Farva, what's that place you like to eat? Farva. With all the medallions? With all the goofy shit on the wall. Yeah. Uh, shenanigans? Shenanigans? You talking about shenanigans? Camera just turned off. Who's our guest? He's got to be either laughing or shaking his head or wondering why he's even on this show by now. 
we got with us on the line Alex Romano with Romano Outdoors. What up, Alex? Hopefully uh, you endured that shit show that we just did. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good intro. Yeah, the king of interruption over here. (laughs) Gotta be good at something. Well, y'all gotta be good at something. What are you good at, Alex? Oh, man. Uh, Hunting and fishing, I guess you'd say. Sure. That's perfect. That's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, man. There we go. That's beautiful. So um, why don't you start by just sharing with the audience, you know, who you are, where you're from, what do you hunt, public, private, what do you like, Chase, and uh, we'll get into our topic Uh, from there. I'm 27 from uh, Newtown Square, PA. Um, Was raised my whole life here. And uh, Lake Chase and Whitetails is basically the only thing we have down my way. Um, upstate PA's got turkeys and everything, but uh, down here, hunting on private land holds some of the biggest deer. So, uh, you know, mostly private for me. Um, public land, really haven't done too much of that. It's definitely on my bucket list this year because uh, we got a nice, giant public land park across from us that uh, a lot of hunters seem like they have a lot of good success in so definitely uh eyed up some trees this year where i want to get in there this year are you uh what kind of what kind of guy are you a hanging hanging stand guy a climber ladder uh i like hang-ons the most uh definitely hang-ons um had a couple ladder stands this year up at uh the owner romano outdoors the uh millenniums and those are some of the heaviest stands i've ever put up but my god are they comfortable it's like a Cadillac, huh? That's what I got. Oh, yeah. I, I fell asleep in probably the first hour. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Millennium stands are pretty comfortable, but they are heavy. That's good if you're in private yeah, land, though, right? You bring, you bring it back, like, uh, you know, once for the season, maybe, and you yeah. might move it around here and there. Yeah, we, uh, up here, I'm actually, you know, sitting up at uh, one of the properties, and I think I got nine stands surrounding me right now. So we kind of got to take them down this year, rework, uh, you know, definitely doing our homework this year on this property. Nice. That's good to go. So you're in PA, uh, 27, mm-hmm. been hunting for a while. You like Chase Whitetail. You like to do some fishing. Um, tell us a little bit about Ramondo Outdoors. Like what, what is that? What are you guys doing over there? Uh, so Romano Outdoors, funny story. I met the owner of Romano Outdoors, Paul, through Facebook, actually. He was on, um, it was about four years ago, he was on the Obsession Brotherhood page, and I was looking for a new bow. So, messaged him, and I met him in a parking lot about 20 minutes from me. I bought a Fixation 6XP off him, you know, hunted that whole season with it, and then, um, he gave me a call the following year and was like, Hey man, um, I think you got what it takes. Uh, we want to, you know, kind of film and get out into the industry. And you know, I got another teammate, Jacob, great kid up in New York. And, uh, I mean, for us, it's all about, you know, family, um, kind of showing what the aspect of what leads a hunter up to, you know, that successful harvest. That's cool. That's a good message to put out there. So like, at what point did you guys have a conversation about your last name and the name of the of the business? Because <laughs> it is so similar. Oh I was God. like tripped up, like man, I must be spelling something wrong. And yeah, it, that's just that's it. 
I think we had the conversation when I went to his house and, you know, we were sitting by the campfire, you know, drinking a few beers, talking about hunting stories. And he was like, hey, Alex. And I'm like, no one really calls me out. And everybody calls me by my last name, Ramondo. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to work, man, because it's Romano Outdoors. And I'm like, I know, man, I've had a lot of people say Romano Outdoors, but no, it's Romano. So it's kind of funny meeting somebody, you know, as good as he is. And then, um, you know, linking up and having, you know, kind of a similar la- name like that. It's yeah, very like destiny though, most of the time. Seriously, like you, you're, it's like it's meant to be. You couldn't not be yeah. doing what you're doing there. So, um, so you guys are putting out content and, uh, you know, some swag and you have some partnerships. That's great to see. The reasoning behind that is family centric, which is awesome. I, you know, there's a little bit of that going on here and there, but probably not nearly enough, you know, and as a family man myself, like it's super important. I have two kids. I intend on getting them into hunting. If they're willing and able, I'm not going to like force them, but I'm certainly going to lean into it if they show an interest, but, um, you know, I'm not capturing any of that right now. Yeah, ours, um, I think the family aspect was, like you just said, um, it was meant to be when I met Paul. Um, the reason it was meant to be is, you know, Paul's Italian, and my background, which is actually pretty cool, was I was adopted from a small town in Mexico when I was just born. Mother had me, and then my parents were there, adopted me, brought me to, you know, Newtown Square, PA, got my American citizenship when I was, oh God, real young. And then, you know, been here ever since, you know, grew up in the middle of the woods on 30 acres. And, uh, you know, like I said, Paul's Italian and I got adopted into a very hardcore Italian family. So, uh, you know, seeing the family aspect in it, uh, was kind of nice, you know, doing the seven fishes for Christmas Eve and being around family like that. And, um, it was just nice cause you know, you can take what you learned as a kid with family and kind of intertwine it with the outdoors kind of makes everything a lot better. It's pretty cool. We're going to put a, a bookmark there cause as an Italian, we're going to talk about food and we're going to get to that point at some point. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to come back to that part of it, but that's pretty interesting, man. I didn't know that about you and, um, you know, it's cool that it sounds like you end up with a great family and look at that. You I mean, you found a passion for the outdoors being in the middle of a 30 acre plot. Like that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, growing up as a kid, you know, my father was a baseball player and he got me into baseball as a kid. And, you know, I was on four teams at a time when I was like, you know, 15 to 18, all I knew was baseball, but hunting was still in the back of my mind. So, uh, kind of, you know, it was nice as weird as this sounds. Um, when I was a junior, was going to go D one had scholarships in front of me and all that stuff. Um, I was working out down in Philly um, for one of the scouts for the Baltimore Orioles. And ironically, my senior year, third game of the year, I broke my ankle in three different places. So that was the end of that. Oh, my Um, God. So, you know, like after breaking my ankle and stuff, you know, I kind of sat back and looked on it. Like, do I really want to pursue this? Do I really, you know, kind of want to go back into it because it took so much, you know, time out of my life. And, uh you know, grandfather pulled me aside one day and was like, the woods shows you who you are. Cause growing up, like I was always in the Creek with my grandfather. I was in the woods watching him hunt, you know, helping him make, we're talking old tree stands where he would take two by fours, form them up and, you know, drill them into the trees like that. Uh, so he 
basically led me in the direction to fish, hunt, live off the land. And, you know, he passed away two years ago, but I could not thank him enough for, you know, opening my eyes and seeing, you know, how good the outdoors really is for somebody. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, Greg, who got you in the outdoors? Dear old dad, dad, that's for sure. Yeah, dad for me. So like, it's not too frequently I hear granddad did. That's, that's pretty special. And you're learning some real shit coming from someone like that. Someone oh my that's God, been doing man. it for you a long time. My grandmother's house. She lives down the hill from me. Literally, like, I'm talking 60 yards down the hill. First thing you walk in, you open the door, giant elk sitting right there. And then you go into the living room. He's got a wolf, bighorn sheep. I mean, he, the funny part is, my dad told me, um, you know, he's one of four. After my grandfather, you know, they had their fourth kid, he literally told my grandmother, all right, you're on your own with this one. I'm going to British Columbia for a week. I'll be back. I believe it. And packed his stuff, went to British Columbia and killed two caribou, a wolf, bighorn sheep, and got an elk within a week. I was like, that is insane. What a badass. Holy shit. So that's what you got to learn from. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was – it's definitely – you know, it's kind of nice learning old school hunting tricks, if you know what I mean. You know, learning from, you know, my grandfather who did it his entire life. So learning those tricks and then coming into the industry, you know, in 2000 or in 2020 now and kind of seeing the similarities is nice, but you can almost pair each other up and it kind of binds itself and makes, you know, complete sense. and makes you, you know, play this trick on this trick. And then you sit in a tree stand and you're like, Oh my God, this actually worked. That's cool. Well, I mean, that's a, probably a good segue to talk about like some goals that you have for 2020. I know before we hit the record button, you said you have eyes on your hitless buck for the season. So talk to us about what you're you know, quote unquote shooting for, so to speak, uh, pun intended, I guess, you know, what are you, what are you yeah. trying to do this season for 2020? And then you're a private land guy. Uh, I know private land's a lot of freaking work. It's no joke. And you have neighboring properties and it sounds like you're budding some public. So like, there's some real challenges there and a lot of work that goes into making that land fortuitous for deer. So like, I'm really curious to hear how you're prepping for that. So yeah, the buck is actually bedded down in front of me at 120 yards right now um the cool part about this property that i'm sitting on is it is 70 acres and the tricky part about it is it's got an old horse trail down by the creek and the horse trail goes about a mile through the woods and ironically on the other side of it i have another property that i call my honey hole because it's where you know i'll see some of the biggest bucks But the hard part about the property is targeting those bucks and figuring out which way they're moving. Like I could be sitting in a tree stand a mile down the road and one of my best friends who I hunt with, uh, Ray and uh, Thomas, they'll be up here. And it's kind of hard to judge like which way they're moving. So I guess the goal for this property for us would be, you know, kind of figuring out how these mature bucks are accessing this field. Are they scent checking the entire tree line before they come up? And are they accessing it at the lowest part of the field and kind of playing the wind direction this year? Cause it's very, very tricky up here. You know, you're in a giant field surrounded by wood. So, you know, if that buck's behind you, you got to play that wind perfectly, or he's going to scent check you before he even gets in that field. And there goes your shot. 
Interesting. So in, insofar as like access, how are you accessing the property? Like, what is that? Are you, do you have like, there's a lot of guys. So probably I'm asking the question because like on public land, we don't get, yeah, we can't bike out there with like, you know, the quiet cats. We can't bring a four wheeler. You know, are, how are you accessing the property? Do you have multiple points of access for different wind scenarios and, and stand, stand setups or what does that look like? Uh, so the cool part is, you know, we have a spot that we park down at a lower field. Um, access points, we'd like the access point to be better. There is an access point on the back side of this property, but it's a neighborhood. So obviously you get out of your truck, someone drops you off and a neighbor sees you with a bow and camo. First thing they're going to do is like, what is this nut job doing? <laughs> so yeah, we kind of like eliminated that, um, for now, but the stand placements, they're great. You know, we like to get in an hour before, you know, we think the best time they're going to move in because you know the farthest stand it's probably from where we park it's probably a 200 yard walk and you've got to you know you got to get there you got to get set quick and you got to be quiet because you know this property we only hunt in the afternoon and the reason we do that is because morning time all these deer are up in this field and feeding so you don't want to come up here and you don't want to bump them out so it's kind of an afternoon um, which is nice. So we're trying to pinpoint this year on which is the best way to access each stand without, you know, bumping deer at all or as little deer as possible. I'm looking at Greg. I'm wondering if he's got any, cause you hunt private or you have, I haven't, I've only hunted like a very small select handful of times, less than that of sure. property that sure. was private. And I've had a few places where we had set stands in certain areas and yeah, access was limited, but sometimes it paid to take the roundabout way, even if you've never taken that way before, to access that stand just because of the way the wind was playing. And a lot of those places I already knew where the deer were bedding, so I knew which way I had to go. So even scouting always pays off, right? Matter it's one of the benefits of oh, 100%. private, yeah. right? Like you kind of know you're going to be the only one out there or you know when other people are going to get there because they're probably telling you like, hey, man, I'm going to go this day and this day and I'm going to sit this stand at these mm-hmm. times. Right. I'm public. You've no freaking clue. So like, you know, what your plan might be can go out the total window because it doesn't matter because someone else could totally fudge up. And you have no clue that they've done it. Sure. Are you, Alex, are you using any like digital tools on your smartphone to like, you know, keep track of this stuff as far as like what's plotted where, what trail cams are where, like what, you know, stands are where, who's sitting them, et cetera. Like, are you using any tools um, or apps? Yeah, we were using, um, last year we were using like Onyx. Um, this year, you know, probably honestly going to use your guys' app this year. Um, I'd like to have it, yeah, set up where we can pin everything, but, you know, been hunting this property. This is going to be year I think this is going to be year number five for up here. So, you know, like I said, it, 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 it all depends, honestly, it'd just be nice. Cause it's such a big plot of land to, you know, get everything laid out. Yeah. Like, so my, my, our app doesn't hold a candle to Onyx for the record. Like ours is a one trick pony. It just shows you other hunters. So like it, it wouldn't do much good there, mm-hmm. but like Onyx base camp, hunt stand, hunter site, these are some of the apps that I've heard of and I'm, and I'm aware of on like the private land side of things where you can plot, and like, I know Hunter site does stuff with like trail cams where 
he'll actually put an algorithm together to help you like record your temperature of the day, like the weather, the, you know, the buck and identify some things. It's pretty crazy. But then like hunt stand, I don't know. There's, there's a shit ton of stuff. There's so many technology. Tools. I don't mean to take the conversation there, but like there's so many different tools out there that like a lot of private land users, it's, it's aimed towards folks like you where they're, they're using it. One app that I found pretty useful just isn't like, if I knew I was going to this spot, I check uh, an app called Windy. I have it on my. I phone. love Windy. So I have it. I think yeah. you told me about yep. it. Yep. So you, I probably did tell you about it. But because I'm an idiot, it, you can pull it up <laughs> and it, you can see like and it shows the contour of the land and everything. It'll show you what the the wind is doing and it'll actually show like the change in currents and stuff, which is pretty helpful. And it was probably right about fifty percent of the time. And at the end of the day, you're going in and checking it with milkweed or whatever you like to use for an indicator, mm-hmm. but you're going in there and dropping milkweed. And if you're already up in the stand, you're dropping milkweed and it's going the wrong way. Well, guess what? Either you're just going to hang tough or you're going to bail mm-hmm. out of there and go find another spot. Well, another one that, that I like, uh, so like I use a uh, wet, not, not, so there's like a lot of weather apps, but like there's, you know, weather underground, mm-hmm. there's weather bug. I use an app called dark sky. It'll pinpoint your specific location okay. and it'll tell you, um, what the weather is doing for you at that location. I learned about this from our wedding photographer when he was doing our engagement photos back in 20, oh shit, my whole life doesn't listen to this. Uh, we got married 2015. His boots are coming October off. October 15 of 2016. Yeah. So this would have been. Well, he only had one boot off. <laughs> so we would have got married like what? Our, our, our engagement photos like 2015 or 16 or something like that. Nonetheless, he's like, hey, you know, we're going to take pictures at this location. I was like, bro, it's going to rain. He's like, no, no, no. It's not going to rain here. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, no, I use dark sky and it tells you specifically what's happening in that area. Not just a holistic, like here's your County. I was like, what? And so I've been using that app uh, religiously. It's like a paid app. You got to pay for it, but you pay for it once and you got it forever. And that's been a game changer for me for all sorts of things. Like we're camping this weekend. So we actually just moved our camping location from Kettle Moraine to uh, door County. Cause there's no storms there. Nice. Dark skies, but windy is great too, because I never know, like I'm always the guy that has to stop and think for a second when it's like, you know, North, Northeast. I'm like, wait, what, what does that mean? It's blowing that direction or coming from that direction. I always get confused. So I need to visualize that stuff. Right. Anyway, that's uh-huh. my two cents. So you're using Onyx. Onyx is great. Uh, we're not affiliated with them or anything like that, but like I use it a lot, a lot for yeah, public we, land. We use Onyx, and then um, last year when you know Bianca Jane came here and hunted with me during the rut, she actually showed me that app called Huntwise. Huntwise is great which too. Was yeah, pretty pretty cool, and uh, it was spot on. Which was weird because sitting in a tree stand with her, you know, she's looking on her phone and she's like, ouch, they're going to come out of this creek bottom at like 4.30. I'm like, dude, I've been hunting this for like five years. 4.35 rolls around and here comes 60 or out of the creek bottom. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's so awesome. it was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, but, they have like a, you know, like a I had predictor that my... or something, right? Like a, a deer forecast or something like that. They can actually kind of predict some of the deer behavior. Yeah, it shows the feeding times. It shows you know, the best time they're going to move between, it'll say, you know, if there's a full moon, these deer are going to move between 4 PM to 6:30 to come out and feed. And then it'll show you like the best feeding times, which was actually pretty cool to see that in person and actually kind of, you know, watch it happen in front of you as the app is 
you know, sitting in your hand, seeing that, oh, five o'clock, here comes, you know, 10 deer out of the creek bottom. Yeah, that's great. That's good to know. I, I totally derailed us, but I, you know, I'm good, good at, at interrupting. I'm good. But, but I wanted to dig in here a little bit more because, you know, we, mm -hmm. you know, say we're the public land hunting podcast, but, um, you know, I think private land is, there, there's nothing wrong with private. I'm not like, I don't mean to be against, that's not the point, but I know that there's a lot of tools that those folks use and there's a lot of overlap between the two entities, right? Public and private. Managing a property is hard. At Hard the end work. of the day, we all like. To oh hunt. my god! Correct. Yep, we're all yep. we're all out there supporting. Same so. team, bro. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's good stuff. So, like, what what else? What if, if I make sure that I like have asked all the the good questions here about like what you're doing to prep? Mm -hmm. Like, so it sounds like you have a target buck. That's an that's a topic I'm very interested in right now. Like identifying a target oh, yeah. buck and like how are you going to hunt him? You got eyes on him right now. He's bedded down, you know, 120 yards in front of you. Um, are you, yep. are you patterning him with trail cams? Like, what are you doing to close in on him? So to close in on him right now, um, I'm running, uh, I got three spy points I'm running right now. And, you know, in PA down here, you can use mineral. So I'm using XL mineral. Who's, uh, you know, one of our sponsors, uh, makes a great mineral. They started adding in apple scent this year, which is unbelievable. So, you know, it's kind of nice just putting that out, um, you know, feeding the herd, getting them healthy, and then, you know, watching him, studying, you know, what times he's coming in. And I set up three different plots. So they all border this property. So I'm trying to ping down, you know, morning time. What side of the property is he on? Did he come out of the lower bedding area from my house? You know, in the evening, is he hitting that mineral plot? You know, which way did he come from? Did he work straight through the field or did he, you know, cut through the woods back there that wrap around? So, like I said, it's only three spy points right now. I'd like to get a couple more to kind of, you know, I'd like to put a stake, honestly, in the middle of this field. That way I can really see, you know, which way he's coming out. But uh, it's just nice to see him. I saw him last year. Uh, during the rut, he was all rutted up with four does and it was nice to see it. Cause I didn't think honestly he was going to make it. I thought he was going to go on to one of the farms behind here and, you know, get shot, but he's betting right in front of me and <laughs> he is definitely bigger. He's got a split right brow tine and he actually has two brow tines on his left side, which is pretty cool to see. That's cool. Yeah. Velvet fest, right? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. That's cool to see. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like visualizing your deer right now. I'm really jealous that that's no, what you're looking, totally I'm looking at. Freaking Greg. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll send you more pictures. I'll send you pictures when we're done. I got, I got another one on this other property of mine, which it stinks because in PA you cannot hunt from Christmas Day till New Year's. And what do you think shows up on your trail cameras when you're not in the woods for nine days straight? I know in around here. Some of the that, biggest deer you'll ever see. Yeah, I've had some experiences with some pretty nice deer right between Christmas Day and New Year's. So it's usually the tail end of the, the rut for sure. The the younger deer going into estrus and those big bucks are kind of looking to finish up their year. When when it, when are your when apple. are your season dates over there? Uh so I live 
I live in Southern PA. So the cool part about where I live is my WMU is a special regulations WMU. So we have a very, very high deer population here. So we actually open up two weeks before the rest of the state of Pennsylvania opens. So it's pretty cool. Like I get two weeks before the rest of the state opens. And then it's, I believe this year, September 19th, all the way till January. I'd like to say January 21st this year, but we have that week off, you know, obviously from Christmas to New Year's. Nice. And you're, what, what kind of like, and obviously you heard us, uh, well, you heard me totally, you know, mess Greg up and take him off the tracks like 10 times on Vector Custom Shop. What are you shooting for bow arrows? What do you got going on? What's your setup? All right. Before we get into Alex's setup for his bow, this seems like, I don't know, pretty much the most perfect spot to put our call out for Vector Custom Shop and do our The Shot of the Week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Please head on over to VectorCustomShop.com. Take a look around. These arrows aren't like many else on the market. They are smaller diameter, thicker walls. Uh, so they are more durable and heavier weight. They pack a punch. They're outfitted with the ethics insert outsert system. And Vector will build them to your specs. They'll make sure that they know how you hunt, what you hunt what your draw uh, weight is and uh, all of these other factors that go into you know what you should be shooting they take that into consideration look these things will show up right in your doorstep you don't have to go to the archery shop so it's pretty beautiful head over to vectorcustomshop.com enter in code where the number two the word hunt for 10 percent off now let's get into the shot of the week this week this is a special one that's come from my dad it's pretty cool real pretty 10 pointer i have on a wall that uh Thinking back, okay, I remember it was a Sunday, and I uh, hunted for three, four, five days. I'm not sure, is three years ago now, maybe four years ago, and I do. I, hunted, I was getting burned out going every morning, hunting all day, driving 45 minutes back and forth, uh, hunting my brother's. Different, couple of different properties, a private property, a very fortunate, really good property. And so I've seen a lot of action as far as young bucks and does. So I kept things interesting. Uh, no, nothing really wanted to shoot though. And uh, I remember the one Sunday, uh, hunted in the morning, went out by the truck, was kind of sitting there thinking that uh, Sunday I got to work the next day. Maybe on the Packers going to play. Maybe I was just tired. Just go home get a good night's sleep. And then all of a sudden I remember thinking, oh, just kind of like, geez, it's a rut. I think it was November 6th. I'm not positive right now. Uh, I was kind of slapping myself in the face. Like, you know, haunt you dumbass. <laughs> uh, out there and got in a tree and during a lot of ruts, there was a ton of squirrels all the time. So there's always rustling. It's kind of nice. See, you know, activity in this, you know, I just saw something to look at. And I think I was looking at my phone. There's <laughs> uh, a bunch of rustling. And I look up and, oh, those aren't squirrels. There's a doe coming in. And there's a decent buck behind her. And uh, so I grabbed my bow and then. 
the doe kind of went right in my shooting lane. She kind of squatted down and peed. And I thought, oh yeah, this is good. And then the buck kind of held up. I went, I'd got a full draw, but I had no shot. I held it full draw. It seemed like, to me, it seemed like it was three minutes, but it's probably 45 seconds. I, I Who knows? And, uh, and there was kind of this dead tree that he had to duck his head under. And all of a sudden he made his move because he's kind of face family and he uh, ducked his head under the tree. And uh, I let out a like a bleat with my mouth because in the past I've used grunts and you don't hear him maybe and tried to stop him when you stop him out, but he was moving fast. You know, that doe moved off, he was going to be on her. So I let out a loud bleat and he stopped, I think, within a half a second or whatever. I'd get on him and I'd been holding for so long and I just hit, hit the release and uh, and everything went good from there. Got the buck. Turned out to be a 10-pointer. All right, big thanks to my dad for coming on the show to share the shot of the week. It was pretty late and, uh, you know, he's got a couple good ones on the wall, so I wanted to hear what he had to say. Let's get back into our interview with Alex. So, um, last year was crazy. We, uh, so with Romano Outdoors, we started off with Elite because last year they dropped the ritual. So, uh, you know, Paul worked something out with Elite. Um, he went ahead and bought three Mantis green ones, which they were badass colored. They were great bows. So, you know, we shot them through the year. And then, um, honestly, you know, it was a fantastic bow. You know, it was great. Everything was good about it. But it just didn't fit me. So, you know, I turned it back into Paul, and I was like, I kind of want to go back to Obsession. Um, so I bought a Lawless, shot the Lawless, and ironically, I, the first time I shot that Lawless in the woods, I shot my buck last year, and then I got rid of the bow after that. Really? Like, okay, one and done. So now yeah, what? It was pretty weird. But um, uh, the bow I'm currently shooting, which I don't think I'm ever going to switch, is the Matthews TX-5. That bow is an absolute dream to shoot. That's cool. You know, they're manufactured right here in Wisconsin. So how about that? Yeah, you guys are lucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, Paul put that bow in my hands and, you know, just the confidence behind it. I think the thing I like about that bow most, honestly, is the grip and the way that it sits, you know, in the palm of your hand. Because I don't know how they did it, but that grip is absolutely fantastic. Well, and it's important to go shoot different bows, too. You can't be hung up on one particular brand just because they're going to give it to you for nothing. Yeah, for, yeah for I've not heard a lot of people say that. You, you got to go shoot different bows. So, and I did mm-hmm. that. And, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, I, I settled on one bow, and I had a lot of people give me crap about it. Well, why'd you buy that one for? That's weird. I have that happen with my truck. Yeah. <laughs> why'd you buy a Ford? Don't, don't. Yeah, you know me. what? Because <laughs> I test drove them all, and that's the one I like. <laughs> God dang it. That's right. <laughs> everybody's different you know in these in this day and age everything's made and engineered like really really well but it, it really at that point then you're splitting hairs but you got to split the hairs that matter for you yeah absolutely yeah it's uh that bow fits me and uh you know sounds nuts you know paul called me up uh two weeks ago he's like hey man i think this year i want to you know shoot prime and i'm like are you killing my wallet right now man I'm like, I cannot go out and buy a brand new, you know, Prime Black Series. I've always wanted to shoot Prime because I am extremely fascinated in that cam system that they have. It's a nice bow. I did, I, I 
not shoot the black, but I shot the generation before that, and it was between that and a, and a Matthews that felt the best to me. So they're they're doing something right with yeah. that bowl. Well, Matthews has such a strong yeah, they, brand, but they make such a great product. I mean, they innovated, right? They were one of the the industry leaders. Cam, yep. Yeah. Now they have Them the no high cam. country. They're the ones with the no cam, right? I'm not. I'm not mistaken. Well, they they did a no cam bow, but they also, you know, their cam is pretty pretty hot. The new cam that they have mm. is pretty hot. Um, See, this is where I yeah, fade out a little bit. Like, what? I get less caught up in this. For me, like comfortability and silence <laughs> is what I'm after. Like. I'm not after the speed yeah. or the or the pizzazz. Like I don't want no, the bells. I, I don't want the whistles. Like I'm the guy that give me give me the roll down window on a pickup right. truck. I don't want to break. Well, and right. I I shot my bow. It was comfortable to shoot. The grip was good, and it was quiet. But I'm also shooting a heavy arrow. Yep. And again, speed doesn't matter much to me. But I know it, it, at the time it was their flagship bow, and it was pretty quick. Don't know the speed. Don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all I fast, just, right? Like I just know the sound it makes when it kills. Oh, oh, oh I, I see what you did there. There you go. <laughs> I just I had to be I a say, is that from a movie? Guy. What does he say? I just know the sound it makes when it kills. It's from Tropic Thunder. Ah, I knew I it. Know the sound it makes. I'm when the it dude lies. dressed as a dude playing another dude. Something like that. I'm getting the character. I'm breaking. Anyway, see, we like to have fun here, man. But this is also like too oh, too yeah. scotch deep now. But I wasn't making the funny stuff. You were. Hey, I didn't hear anybody laugh. Contact so. buzz. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh man. Well, dude, let's let's talk about. Um, I mean, we. If you have any more to add to that, please go ahead, and then and then I'll, I'll switch um, gears from there. Yeah, I think gear wise, kind of left out on arrows. Uh, made the switch this year. Gold tip came out. Those brand new airstrikes, which uh, we're going to be shooting this year. Um, and then obviously our broadhead afflictor, which dear God, I've never shot anything like that. I mean, those things are wicked, man. Everybody's got their own, you know, broadhead and, you know, I've been around the block with them and to shoot afflictor and then, you know, kind of link up with them was awesome. So, uh, using them and, uh, like you guys were talking about earlier in the show, you know, how are you, you know, trying to get into the woods with these stands access and stuff and, you know, sent assassin who we're using. Um, I think that's going to help us big time this year. Cause after, you know, talking to their owner, their scent cover, they, the way that they engineered it was incredible. They're actually, you know, extracting the plant matter and putting it into a bottle. So it almost smells literally like dirt. So I'm excited to see how that works this year for us. That's kind of cool. I love hearing that kind of stuff. We'll have to check yeah. with those guys. But like, yeah, super cool to see that. Yeah, I know a lot of the okay ascenders will spray themselves down with dirt like it's out of style. Like they'll douse themselves till the whole bottle's gone. And of course, they spray their armpits and you know where. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this is our first year using them. You know, uh, reach out to Jimmy, the owner, you know, guy's the man, and, you know, kind of explain his product. And, you know, first question is, what makes yours stand out? And I was sold. Second, he said, we extract plant matter. I was like, all right, we're going to go ahead and use it. That's cool. So, yeah, those are kind of what we're using this year. That's good to go. Okay, so I bought this spring a, not that the brand matters, I don't give a shit, but it's just, I did a lot of research, so it worked for me. I bought a Pit Boss. The reason I bought it, mostly, I had a very, very specific budget I was trying to stay under, and I did that. And I got the Pit Boss because it had the ability to expose the flame, so I could still, like, 
I smoked brats last night. I smoked them for like 30 minutes, and then I, I opened them up to the flame and got the nice, you know, singe on there. Um, I've been cooking everything on there. Bacon, muffins, brisket, brats, uh, iron skillet, cast iron skillet meals with like meatballs. Dude, I've been doing everything on this thing. I've been like, we did frozen pizzas like a Friday night like two weeks ago because we were too lazy to turn the oven on. Um, and we were sitting outside. So I've opened up my whole world and expanded my uh, cooking ability with this grill. But you, on your Instagram, the amount of food you cook from Wild Game is impressive. I'm, I'm genuinely impressed with what you're doing. Like, where does that, is that, now we're going back to the Italian, right? Like, let's, yeah. tell me about that. Like, where does that come from? What are you doing? So cooking wise, um, yeah, it goes all the way back to the Italian. Um, seven fishes is a huge dinner on Christmas Eve for Italian family. So obviously you got your seven fishes and kind of being around that environment, you know, I'm a wooden spoon survivor cause I would touch stuff as a kid. My grandmother, you know, would get me with it. So and then <laughs> I was like, wait, what do you think saying? we all are? I had to think about that for a second. That was good. Yeah. She, uh, after she would get me with that, she'd be like, you know what, for touching that, you're going to help me make noodles. So, you know, from, I think I started actually like making noodles and stuff with her was around seven and then, uh, kind of watch my father, you know, come home from work every night and, you know, I'm one of four. So it's a nice size family, you know, three boys and a girl. So watching him cook, I was like, man, I wish I could do this one day. And, uh, after first deer kill that I got when I was, 12 with my grandfather i think the thing that changed the game was biting into a backstrap for the first time <laughs> that's a good one it was game over from there yeah because i was like this is ridiculous like this beats any steak that you'll ever get um so it was awesome and then um i think with the instagram pictures i think honestly it's crazy that honestly started last year was when i started really getting creative in the kitchen, you know, per to say, um, kind of taking, you know, obviously Spanish background, trying to incorporate that with wild game. And, uh, I think the thing that I like was Steve Ranella, who's my favorite hunter said a quote that was the coolest thing he said, uh, on one of his shows was if you're not, you know, cooking wild game and sharing it with friends and family, you're doing that animal an injustice and the sport an injustice. And I was like, that makes complete sense because for me, when I cook wild game, you know, it's for families, for friends. It's about building that connection that, you know, not a lot of people who don't hunt will ever understand the connection between you and, you know, what you're preparing in front of you. So it was just super, super cool to do that. This season was the first season where I, you know, so I, I didn't harvest deer, but I went in on a deer with a buddy who harvested some and his wife's like, you ain't paying for that processing and we don't got room for it. So me and one of the other buddies in my hunting party split the cost and got the deer processed. And then for the first time ever, I mixed it. I mixed the ground, the ground meat with pork. My wife oh, for the yeah. first time ever was like, holy shit, this is good. It got rid of that gamey kind of flavor. I didn't have to over prep it on the ground side. So we made a lot of burgers, spaghetti, chili, all the stuff you'd think of, like the, the regular shit. And um, she's like, okay, you need to go kill more deer now. So in 2019, that's the first <laughs> time I've heard her say that. And and there's a funny story about why she doesn't like venison, and it's her fault. Um, 
she started finally coming around and like loving venison. And I was like, yes, she likes venison. I'm okay to hunt now and like and whatever. And then I went ice fishing with a buddy of mine and she was going to surprise us with a, uh, a roast. And so she didn't ask for my help on anything. So instead of putting the whole uh, roast into the crock pot, she took a roast and sliced that into cubes. And she calls me, I'm out on the ice. And she's like, yeah, so I was going to do this really cool thing for you and like make a, a pot roast. So when you got off the ice, you'd be nice and warm and have a great venison meal. But I decided to cube it up and it looks like a murder scene in the kitchen. and It smells like death. And that was like, you know, not good for her. And uh, so to hear her say she likes Venice again has been like one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> so we're finally reeling her back in. Um, how are you, like, what do you do to prep? Like, man, you're doing so much fun stuff. Like, talk about some of your recipes. Oh, God, prep work. Well, I got to ask you guys from the Instagram, what is, what's your favorite dish on my Instagram that you think, you know, that you like the most out of all of them? Well, shit, you're putting me on the spot. So... The last one I'm I putting you on the spot. The man. last one I saw you post looked pretty darn awesome. Just it, it was pretty bare bones, and that's kind of how I like to cook my venison. Like I just did a pair of inner tenderloins from the last dough I took in 2018, um, and all I did was just put a, a light marinade on it and, and roast it slow on the grill, and then you know fire roasted some vegetables with it. And we eat pretty lean in my house. Um, there you go. Yeah. Well, so I think you're kind of doing a, doing it venison and injustice by covering it with a bunch of stuff and, and trying to mix it in with everything. That's just my opinion, but you know, there are certain cuts that are probably better off made in chili and made in spaghetti, you know, the ground, the ground meat, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I try to take as many of my cuts and do something where it's just, it's the meat and the vegetable, meat, and potatoes, it's kind of separate, so you can appreciate all of it together. You're a meat and potatoes kind yeah, of guy. No, Look at me. I'm an aspiring <laughs> fat kid. But you never make it. You always manage to stay in this great middle ground shape. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just excelling. So, Alex, I think the last one I had seen, I'm looking at it now. I pulled it up. And yeah. speaking of cubing up venison, as my wife would you know, reminisce about doing that with a full roast, not a steak. Um, you had done some sort of uh, kebabs with some mushrooms, red peppers, and bacon and venison, and it looks very col- very colorful and very delicious. Oh, that was a good dish. That was a good day. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what picture you're talking about. Oh, man. Um, so what did I do for that? I actually... You did one with I mango salsa too. I interrupted you on purpose. I'm sorry. Uh, not sorry. The mango one was the one that caught my attention uh, more so. Oh, the mango chutney one that was on top of the uh, yeah. back strap that was sliced up. Yeah, that was a good one. That one, um, that I kind of, you know, I took the back strap out that day and, um, you know, I had a couple of mangoes that my mom was all day. was just like, you need to eat these things. I'm like, I'm cooking the night. They'll get eaten. Don't you worry. Um, so kind of turned that into a salsa. And the Spanish part came out of me. I was like, let's see how a mango would complement a backstrap. Even though it sounds crazy to most people, you know, 
I like eating my back straps, you know, obviously plain with garlic and butter. So, you know, cook them up and put that on. And I was like, this actually makes sense because the dish that I grew up as a kid eating with my grandfather was he would take blueberries and actually turn them into a puree and he would put them all over his back straps. I'm like, seriously, like that doesn't look good. You know, I was a kid at the time. And the first time I bit into that, I was like, oh my God, like blueberries actually do complement backstraps. So for me with, you know, cooking and putting it on Instagram, it's just showing people that, you know, you can have fun. And, you know, especially with wild game, it's just, you know, there's nothing better than harvesting, obviously, your own meat. It extends and, the life uh, of the hunt. You know, I think like you, 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 you it, it extends the, the life of the hunt. Like it extends them. It adds to the memory really. Yeah. It does. You're it, making it more worth it. You're getting more juice out of the orange, so to speak. Like it's, a, it's, it's pretty exciting, yeah. you know? Well, that's kind of like, you know, we came up uh, with the new saying this year, which I'm sending both of you the shirts, you know, after the show. Um, the new saying is, you know, um, behind every arrow is a new memory. So we kind of, you know, go by that Romano Outdoors. So when it comes to, you know, the hunt and the harvest and getting that deer out of the woods and then getting it to the butcher, I mean, the hunt's over, but the memory's still there. Because every time a hunter opens his freezer, you crack a smile. Because you're like, am I going to go with the tenderloins today or am I going to go with the backstrap? Instead of cracking a beer, crack a smile. How about that? That's pretty good. That's beautiful, man. What's that? Instead of cracking a beer, crack a smile. Reach for the venison. Yeah, crack a smile, man. Every time I open that freezer and, you know, know that it's crazy because my mother doesn't need it. And growing up around me, you know, with my father, it's kind of just like, you know, I hunt. And then, you know, some days I'll come home from work early and I'll catch my dad in the freezer and he'll have a pot roast under his arm and a back strap in the hand. I'm like, uh, what do you think you're doing, sir? You know, like I worked hard for that, but it's, it's just nice to provide for him. And you know, he appreciates it a lot because, you know, he knows that the woods is, you know, obviously what I like to say is it's therapy for me. It's nice to go out and, you know, you know, release that soul and uh, kind of just step away from reality for the three to four hours that you're in the woods. Or if you do an all day sit, which those are brutal after a while, but hey, they pay off in the end, man. Yep. Yep, I spent uh, most of the weekend on a kayak on the Menominee River up in the UP, and I, that's awesome. It's so good, dude, for the soul. You need to have that time. Like you talk about hunting as therapy. I think I have an episode in this podcast bank somewhere called "Hunting as Therapy." Like I believe that it's 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 just good to disconnect and reconnect with nature. If you don't get anything, man, just sitting there in silence, not on your phone and plugging into the wildlife and seeing things come to life is, we need that as human well, beings. It's, it's, everybody needs it. And, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off or anything, mm-hmm. but it's just no, like, thank you. you know, to put put this in a little nutshell for you, man. Um, I explained to my neighbor who doesn't hunt, you know, I'm like, hey, you wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, you listen to the birds. You know, the way I like to explain it is, you know, you get into the woods and you get to watch nature wake up, you know, so you get in the morning, you watch everything wake up. And then, you know, I come back in the afternoon, you watch the night shift is what I call it. And the coolest thing I actually saw last year happen was I was in a tree stand and do you guys know what a Cooper Hawk is? Yep. Yep. All right. So I was sitting in the tree stand and there were a ton of chipmunks, obviously, and squirrels, hunters, you know, we hate them. 
So I'm watching these guys play, and uh, a Cooper Hawk flies in. And he sits 10 yards in front of me, and he's sitting in the tree, and everything goes quiet, right? All the squirrels ran up. All the chipmunks hid. So after they hid, the Cooper Hawk actually got on the ground, stood there for about 10 seconds. And out of nowhere, he started hopping around. And he was hop, 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 hop. He was mimicking a chipmunk on the ground. And about 10 seconds later, all the squirrels came out. He got himself a squirrel and flew off. I'm like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I've never so seen So it's that. like, you know, in the woods, yeah, it was amazing, man. But in the woods, you see stuff that most people will never experience. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. How fun is it to see like an exotic animal, even if it's like a bear or a coyote or like a bobcat? You see these things oh, yeah. in the flash in the flash of a pan, and it's like, holy shit. It's so cool. You just don't yeah, see just, that stuff. You know, you see it on Nat Geo, but that doesn't count. You know? No, it doesn't. Be fake. I think the coolest things is uh, the great horned owls here. Seeing those things is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got our share of them around here. Too. Greg's got a good owl call. <laughs> yeah, we've got... We've got <laughs> I was going to see if you are going to do it. <laughs> yeah, we've got quite a few. In fact, I've got barred owls in my backyard and in my neighborhood because we've got so many big oak trees. We got a couple around here. Yeah. Logan hears them at night, my daughter, and she's like, who yep. cooks for you? I'm like, yep. that's right. That's what they say. That's what they say. Um, there well, you go. Why don't you share with us your most memorable hunt? We'll wind down here, bring the plane in for landing. I'd love to hear uh, what your most memorable hunt is. Oh, man, the most memorable hunt. I know you asked me before we went live, and I finally got it down. It was my turkey hunt this year. I killed my first bird. And I was super, super psyched about it. And the way that it panned out was just, it was incredible. Um, so my good, one of my good friends, Howie, um, invited me down to his place in Jersey. So, you know, I bought the license and, you know, I'm going down to Jersey. And, you know, we're hunting for three weeks straight. We saw birds and, uh, you know, we had a couple shots at some beautiful toms. But it was just to the point where it's like I couldn't draw that bow because their eyesight, they would have pinched us. So last day of the season comes around and it's a Saturday and Howie's like, yo, we're going out. And I'm like, yeah, we're going out, man. I'll be there at four 30 in the morning. I roll up to his house, you know, having our coffee, talking about the game plan. And, uh, we went down to a Creek and you know, Howie was scouting for, he was scouting for like six weeks straight on these birds. Finally got him down to a T. So we're sitting in the blind and, it's 5.30 in the morning, and I'm not a, you know, an avid turkey hunter like most people. And out of nowhere, straight ahead over this hill, 5.30 in the morning, like sun's not even up, comes this giant tom. I mean, he is running at full speed. He runs towards the blind and then cuts off at 30 yards. I'm like, why is he out of the roost so early? Like, we thought something scared him out of the roost. So he runs by. And then about, you know, uh, like to say an hour goes by um we heard another we were working him for about two hours get him back get him to uh, about 100 yards and he goes silent so i'm like oh come on man so 8 30 i look at my watch you know ironically took a picture of my bow set up was gonna put it on my instagram story and uh all of a sudden you know how he's like yo we got to make a move man we got to go up to that peach field behind us i know they're up there feeding i'm like man we gotta wait till nine o'clock I mean, these birds, I know that they're here. About 10 minutes goes by. He's packing his bag, getting ready. And I, like, smacked his arm hard as hell. And I'm like, there he is. He's like, what? I can't see him. 
there was a Tom standing at the top of the hill at 60 yards. And he's just looking around, doing his thing, starts working his way in. I'm like, is this really going to happen on the last day? This Tom worked his way in the 10 yards. I had him at full draw when he got to 20 because he pinched right behind a tree so I could finally get the full draw. And I let that arrow fly. It, it flapped. He did that typical flop, and he was down. And it was just – it was probably the most memorable for me because, you know, other than a mature white-tailed buck, I – putting in time for turkeys, man, that was uh, that was a lot of time, and it was a lot of fun. So – and I always told my grandfather, too, he was the one animal that – you know, he never got the harvest when he was living. So I always told him, man, I'm like, you know, regardless if you're here or not, I'll make a promise to you. I will, you know, get a bird for you. So it was more of special that, you know, my good friend Howie like that put that hunt together and I could, you know, harvest my first bird. But it was more for a harvest so that, you know, I believe that my grandfather, his soul lives in me every time I go into the woods and every time I step foot on a stream. So it was just nice to finally get it done. And, you know, I knew he was smiling. So it was just awesome, man. Dude, that's that's really special. That's awesome. I've yet to go turkey hunting. Yeah, it was. You better get your oh, crap together I'm for hooked. next year. My crap will be together. Yeah, I'm addicted. <laughs> that's great. I mean, you called him from like a hundred yards. That's, and then you drew him in at twenty well, no. and all the way up to ten. You said. We didn't call. The cool part about it was we we had a tom behind us. I mean, he was a hundred yards in pine trees. And he went silent, and the entire woods was silent. Like, the bird that I shot, he was non-vocal. He came over this hill, and he wasn't strutting. He wasn't making any noise. It was just ironic that this bird shows up out of nowhere. I mean, he walked in non-vocal, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's right there. So it was just cool to see that. That is cool, man. Someone just commented, you need to go turkey hunting. I know, I know, I do. I know. It'll happen. I'll buy the license next year. You know what's funny is I did buy a turkey license for a gun deer, thinking I'd see, because you know what's happened every year I've been deer hunting because I've seen turkey? So fuck it, I'm going to buy a turkey license. The year I buy the turkey license, I see no turkey. I mean, I know that's not an actual turkey hunt, but I just thought it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if I see one, at least I can shoot something. <laughs> Didn't happen. Classic. I bet you if I go turkey hunting, I see deer, no turkey. That has happened. There's one year when I was deer hunting, and uh, I was hunting from the ground on a public piece, and I finally got eyes on. It was a doe. It was no big deal, but I was I was pretty jacked about it. And, uh, you know, a flock of turkeys come. Or I don't know what they call flock of turkeys, raptors, come out of a different spot, and they end up spooking the deer, and the deer jumped and then spooked the turkey. They all ran off. I was like, well, what? What the heck just happened? You bunch of idiots. You know, you just scared all of each other, and now I have no shot at anything. <laughs> damn, damn animals. But that's a good story, man. Th- thanks for sharing that with us. Like, uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, no calls in. We'll keep the lines open for a few minutes. If anyone wants to call, ask questions or comment or, you know, say whatever they want to say, uh, we'll take them. But otherwise, you know, Alex, um, you know, we're waiting to see if anyone will call in or not. Why don't you let us know how people can get in touch? How can they follow along? Like, where should they go to follow uh, Romano Outdoors? So right now, the Romano Outdoor page is currently down on Instagram because um, Paul just moved to Virginia. So uh, he's kind of, we're not rebranding in a way. He kind of just wants to work on it and take time 
because a move like that um, with twins and the wife, you know, he's spending time with the family. Uh, you can follow my page, uh, you know, give me a follow um, on Instagram and, you know, I interact with everybody. You know, it's nice. If you got questions or, you know, any stuff like that, I'm always there to, you know, answer them. It's just nice, you know, interacting with people on that. And, you know, obviously like your guys, you know, you guys yourself, you know, me and on Instagram and, you know, here we are doing a podcast. It's just amazing how the hunting industry brings everybody together as one. Yeah. It's pretty powerful in that sense. And social media has been a great way to connect folks and you know, bring more voices to the space. So we appreciate you sharing your stories with us and, and kind of like your why and how you're doing stuff. You bring a lot of good value to the show. We'd love to have you back on at some point and, you know, make sure you go into the Facebook comments and, and hit anybody up there that was like, you know, asking questions or um, commenting. They'd probably love to hear from you. So a few folks said that they yeah. love you. Uh, so I assume you had a couple people that are in your circles following along. Kevin Murphy said, Alex is the best. Always open to help a, a oh, greenhorn man. figure stuff out. Um, Hunter uh, Sweater buddy. said his grandpa got him into the outdoors. So he related with you there. Like, you know, it's cool to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was nice, you know, with Kevin, you know, really quick was I met him on a stream uh, two years ago and he always talked about how he wanted to get into the outdoor industry. And I was like, you know what, man, here's my number, you know, hit me up big time football player in college, you know, getting ready, you know, hopefully to get drafted, but you know, he's a good kid, man. His passion for the outdoors is great. And uh, it's nice to have here, you know, I got my good friend, you know, Thomas and his son. Um, I met them at, um, actually I met them at one of my, my ex's house. So it was pretty nice. And, uh, he's been around for five years showing those, just showing people the woods in general is nice because they appreciate it. And, you know, I'm the type of person where I'll bring you onto my farm and have fun, you know, just know that you're going to work for it. You know, same thing, like, you know, really quick, Bianca came here, you know, flew in from Georgia. She's never experienced a rut. And when she got here, she's like, I can't believe how many deer I saw. I'm like, yeah, like the rut is powerful and that girl worked for it. I mean, she stalked a, she stalked a deer at 10 yards. I've never seen anything like it, man. It was just incredible to see everybody and how they adjust to the woods and you know, what fits them and what makes them comfortable. So that's kind of what my thing is. The whole family aspect is, you know, whoever I can get out and, you know, help teach the outdoors you know i'm not a pro or anything but whatever i learned from my grandfather it's just nice to you know pass it on to people that's a good mantra man. that's how it should be that's cool absolutely well thanks for for uh spending time with us and taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show everybody that uh concludes the live broadcast so you know uh like we say every tuesday night we'll get this thing produced for podcast land Later this evening, uh, Alex, hang out with us for a minute here, but we're going to end the live broadcast. Everybody mm-hmm. have a great night, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Hey guys, Taryn Hunt here again with eHunter.com. Back again this week with your news articles. We had quite a few more articles this week than we had last week, so let's jump right into them. I'm going to start in Montana. Uh, we had a couple articles there. I'll start with the one about um, urban deer culling. Uh, there's a few areas there in Montana, like a lot of western states, uh, well, gosh, a lot of states in general where there's a lot of deer in urban areas. And so they're talking about the possibility of culling those deer um, and, re- and reducing those numbers. Uh, the next one is about CWD testing. Now, if you guys have read some of our articles for Montana, this 
gosh, this past year, we've had a lot of articles on CWD there in Montana. And so Montana is actually going to kind of up their their efforts on CWD testing. And so, again, if you want to see the details on that, go check out that article. I'm going to jump over to South Dakota now. Uh, we report on a lot of poaching incidents that happen across the United States. There was another incident in South Dakota. It's kind of infuriating, some of these poaching incidents, this one especially. Um, but uh, go check that one out for the details. That's the only article that we had for South Dakota this, this past week. Uh, jumping now over to Idaho. Idaho, kind of similar to what was going on in Montana, is having a little problem with wildlife in urban areas. This time it's not deer, though. This time it's actually moose. Uh, there are two locations in Idaho that uh, had moose wander into some urban areas. These moose, these moose had to um, be tranquilized and relocated to a, a different area. So kind of interesting read there and, and how they were able to uh, transport those those big animals. One of them was a, actually a bull moose, which was kind of interesting. Going to drop down now to Utah. Had a couple, or had one article there in Utah, which was for Upland Game. For So you guys that are Upland Game, Upland game hunters, um, there's actually some changes going on in Utah for quite a few different hunts. Um, pheasant hunts, dove hunts, some of the other ones. So if you are an Upland Game hunter and you hunt Utah or want to hunt Utah, Go and check out that article and check out some of those those recent updates. You'll you'll want to be aware of those. We're gonna go a little bit more to the east now, out to Missouri, and this article, man, this one. If you haven't read this one, I strongly encourage you to go check it out. So in Missouri, they're talking about doing some bear hunts, and they put it out for a, a public comment, and the public actually came back and um, opposed the. Uh, bear hunting in Missouri and so I just an interesting article interesting on why they wouldn't want to hunt bear there I mean you know bear hunting is a lot of fun and, and people enjoy doing it wherever you do it and if there's the, the opportunity or possibility you know kind of why not but you can go check out that article and read about some of the uh, reasons why the public opposed bear hunting there in Missouri great article that was actually written by one of our uh, our media director uh, Casey Rash, great article. The last one I want to talk about is we're actually going to go north of the border to the Yukon. Um, Yukon has a lot of uh, great hunting up there, and we actually published an article recently that they had a record number of applications in in that area. Um, you know, we, we worry about with everything that's going on with the coronavirus, if some of these application numbers would actually decrease. Um, and, and actually what we're finding across the entire United States is these numbers have increased. People want to get out. They want to be hunting. They want to be in the outdoors. So um, check that number out or that, or that article out. The numbers are in there as far as uh, the record numbers for applicants. But Really cool, cool article, uh, especially for uh, those that live in that area or hunt that area. So, those are your articles for this past week. Great news articles, a lot of stuff going on. Um, we're ramping up to hunting seasons, getting prepared, doing a lot of scouting, uh, seeing some good antler growth in some of these states on some of these animals. So, uh, super exciting. Tag us in any of your uh, social media posts. Would love to see what you guys have out there. Always, if you have any questions, comments, don't be afraid to reach out to us. You can contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, shoot us an email. My email is terranh at ehunter.com. That's T-E-R-R-O-N-H at E-H-U-N-T-R 
Hunter.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, eHunter. Look, if you all have not had a chance to stop on over at eHunter.com, look, there's a ton of information there. It's a great resource, obviously one where we get our news from, and we hope that you all have found some value in this segment. So if you have any feedback for them, please send it their way. Tag them, shout out to them, comment to them, send them a message. Uh, You can ask us as well, and we'll pass along whatever floats your boat. Let's get into our next segment. Hey everyone, Anthony Eller here with Deervane, and uh, this week's tip of the week has to do with trimming shooting lanes. So as you get closer and closer to the opener of hunting season, you want to trim your shooting lanes less and less. And what I mean by that is deer understand when their bedroom is being altered. If you're walking through your house every single day, you know when a picture frame falls off the wall. You know when a chair gets moved. You know when something's out of place. And deer understand that too. So if you're trimming shooting lanes right before season, you know, the weekend before or two weekends before, deer understand that that's going on and they think that's odd or peculiar and they may avoid that area. And especially if you're wanting to do a lot, if you're wanting to really take down some trees, you know, take down some four inch, five inch, six inch trees uh, to create those shooting lanes, they are wary of that and they understand that. So if you if you need to do a lot of trimming, like you really got to bust out an area, I suggest doing that before the end of July for sure. I wouldn't probably wouldn't do that in August uh, in Wisconsin. Your season starts in September, and uh, and if you are doing trimming in August or September, you know it's just very minute things, just little tree branches here, little branches there. You know nothing very noticeable, uh, and you're going to need to because you should trim you know, after season in the, in the winter, uh, or early spring, and then also trim again, you know, just minor cleanup right before season starts. So you don't have any branches in your way. But again, so one of the things that I'm working on is I have two tree stands that need to have some serious trimming done. Lots, some, some small trees need to come down. A lot of branches need to come down and those are getting done in July. That way the deer have enough time to get used to that new, uh, that new environment before season starts. So I hope it helps for some of you guys and, uh, good luck out there. Hey, thanks, Anthony. If you all have not checked out deervane.com, head on over there, give them a like, a subscribe on their podcast and their YouTube channel for some more practical tips. If you remember from last week, Anthony had talked about the thermocell. And if we're talking about getting out in July to do trimming, you better believe you better have a thermocell out there with you. It's going to be miserable, but definitely worth it. Thanks for the great tip. Appreciate it. Uh, If y'all have not already subscribed to the podcast, uh, please subscribe. And if you haven't given us a rating and or a what is it called like a review or, uh, you know, some specific feedback, we'd love that. Thank you so much. Look, it helps make sure that we're getting, I think, pushed up closer to the top of iTunes or whatever. Uh, Just so more people hear it. And you know, we work really hard on the show. We work to really promote our sponsors and our partners like eHunter and DeerVane and the Shot of the Week and the Backwoods Grind Coffee and the Gumleaf Boots and all of that stuff. Uh, it takes a ton of work. And so we want to keep doing more and doing better. Uh, also, a quick reminder that our giveaway is coming up soon at the end of this month. Uh, June 30th will be the announcement of the the winner, one winner. Uh, but we'll stop taking submissions on June 29th. So there's still time to sign up to become a Patreon member for $5 a month, 
we're going to enter you into a drawing for our quarterly giveaway. So every three months we'll do a giveaway and they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as they go, because as more people roll into that, we're taking that money and that's what's buying the stuff that you're going to be winning, uh, so to speak. So it's like a, kind of like a collective pot of cash to buy some cool hunting stuff and give you a chance to win it. So uh, for this first one we're doing on June 30th, it's going to be a tethered phantom, three months of backwoods grind coffee, free butchering from outdoor addiction, taxidermy, um, a t-shirt hoodie and hat from Venado, which is an outdoor apparel company that gives back to 2% for conservation, along with a t-shirt from the OKS Hunter, our, you know, the OKS Hunter podcast studio. So uh, they also give back to 2% for conservation. And uh, yeah, I think that's, and, and oh my God. <laughs> see it's hard i can remember my my groomsmen that i had at my wedding let alone all of these things so we're also giving away six so it's half a dozen arrows from vector custom shop that's a big deal these are good quality arrows that are going to change how you hunt you know go follow sam soholt and some other folks that are using these things um you know we did an episode with them a while back we talked to the ranch fair we talked to ethics archery uh, we've talked to all these people that are into these heavy arrow setups and they're just incredible so really change up your hunting game and uh, it's a good package to win. So if you haven't already done that, or if you're curious, let us know, throw us a message or just go do it. It's not a big deal. We'll send you a koozie and a sticker when you sign up. So that's pretty neat. Uh, that's all I got for this week. I hope everyone enjoys their week. We'll be back next Tuesday. We're going to be talking with the Knights of the Apex, AKA Coda. Uh, we're going to be talking about the build of a bow and breaking down all of the technical components of a bow. So uh, it'll be a very technical episode around gear. Should be fun. Adios.